Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Is government good for real estate? Well, there's a big question, and we're going to do our best to answer that today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Looking for solid cash flow in a market where the jobs are likely to stay put? This is Robert Helms. Join me September 28th through the 30th for the Real Estate Guys investor field trip to Memphis, Tennessee. I'm excited to show you this affordable real estate market where cash flow is the name of the game. You'll meet active developers, rehabbers, property managers, plus folks from the Chamber of Commerce and many surprise guest speakers. Find out how the four R's of Memphis will virtually ensure a steady supply of qualified tenants. For all the details, visit realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Join me in Memphis for an amazing cash flow weekend. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. As investors survey the country for markets and properties that will perform well for them over the next five to 10 years, one market in particular stands out. That's Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta was the second fastest growing MSA throughout the last decade. It's home to the world's busiest airport and has one of the highest concentrations of Fortune 500 companies in the country. Atlanta is expected to add 100,000 new people every year for the next 10 years, and just next year alone, Atlanta is predicted to add over 50,000 new jobs. Now, what if I told you you could buy fully renovated, leased, and cash-flowing investment properties in this market for half of replacement cost? That's right, three- and four-bedroom homes in good suburban neighborhoods that can be purchased completely renovated for seventy dollars to $90,000. At Georgia Residential Partners, this is exactly what we do. We've been helping investors all over the country make solid real estate purchases in Atlanta for almost seven years. Call us today at 770-924-5450 or check us out online at gainvesting.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Let's meet our co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. How you doing? Awesome. You know, we've got uh, an interesting topic today, and I think we're going to create uh, controversy at the very least. So let's just get right out of the table that uh, we're going to talk today about your government. And that doesn't matter where you live. We know we got podcast listeners in more than 160 countries, but what they all have in common is they all have some method of government. And as real estate investors, we are influenced by the decisions and the actions that our government makes. And so it's not even a matter of do we get to have an opinion. Uh, it's a matter of what exists now and, and so forth. But but I think what we want to delve in today is just making sure people understand that the basis of government in the country they invest in affects their real estate investments. Absolutely. You know, here we are. We're getting ready to come in the United States to a very big election year. Presidential election is always a big deal. Uh, the economy has been top of mind ever since the mortgage meltdown and the ensuing Great Recession and the recovery, if and when it ever happened, and all that stuff that's going on. We've been talking about that a lot. So we just thought this was a really timely topic because uh, a lot of people in the United States are going to be going to the ballot box in a few months, and uh, they're going to be making decisions on a state level, on a national level, on a local level. And, you know, sometimes as real estate investors, we just kind of operate in our own little bubble. We operate in our own little world and we deal with whatever comes at us. That's the way business people are. But you've been hearing a lot of talk about how business people are paralyzed right now and really aren't moving forward because of uncertainty. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, is, is the problem too much government, too little government, or is the problem just not knowing where the lines are so I can chart my course? Yeah, and people have very strong opinions about this. In fact, we have a couple of guests on today's show, both of whom have very strong opinions. So just the opinion disclaimer at the beginning that you may not agree or you may totally agree with what our guests have to say. But either way, you need to be open-minded enough to listen and understand that everybody has a, a bent on this. And so some people are in favor of 
of as little government intervention in our personal lives as possible. Other people feel that government is here to help, and the more help we can get, the better. And wherever you are in in that continuum, politically is up to you. As a real estate investor, we all recognize that the decisions made by our governments, local, state, and federal, affect us. Look at the very issue of, of property tax. Property tax ranges from minuscule to extraordinary, depending on where you live. Some countries don't even have a property tax. Some countries, like the United States, it can be 0.75% of the value all the way to 9% of the value, depending on where you live. And that is a government decision. Yeah, I mean, when I was working with novice investors in California and they would sit down to purchase an income property and they would look at the pro forma that was provided them by the real estate agent who got their numbers primarily from the existing owner. Well, in California, you've got Proposition 13. And if that person owned that property for any length of time, their property taxes were kind of low. And when you were doing your cash flows, if you didn't adjust for what was going to be a major adjustment in your property taxes, what looked like maybe slightly positive cash flow could really be pretty negative cash flow simply based on not understanding the way property taxes work. Then some people come in and go, oh, but my property taxes can never go up because we have Proposition 13. Well, that's not true either because then they would create these special assessment districts or these municipal assessment districts, sad and mad, they used to call them. And it was a way for them to continue to work the tax up without officially raising the tax. So these things had direct impact on cash flows on real estate investors in California. Well, then there's the whole government intervention into your life as a landlord. The way you interact with your tenant varies from state to state, from country to country. What tenants' rights are, what landlords' rights are, how long someone can stay in a unit when they stop paying rent, that varies in the United States by a ton. We do field trips to lots of different markets, and we're always asking property managers. The question I love to ask is, okay, if you get a tenant that stops paying the rent, just maliciously stops, how long do you can legally get them out? If we're in one state, the answer is 15 days. If we're in another state, the answer is nine and a half months. Those differences mean the world to me as a real estate investor. It, well, yeah, I mean, because really the question should be asked, how long does it take to stop the bleeding? Because that's what's happening. Every day you're not getting income coming in and you have expenses going out. Do you want to hemorrhage for 21 days or do you want to hemorrhage for 180 days? Right. Right? I mean, you know, how quickly do you want to stop the bleeding? And I think it really comes down to you've got the compassionate side that says, hey, people fall on hard times. We need to help them out. And all that's great. And I believe in all that. The other side of it is, hey, when a real estate investor has their income stop, well, that's hard times for them too, you know? So how long do they suffer? So it isn't a question of suffering. When bad things happen, there's going to be suffering. It's a question on how do you spread that out and what's fair? And of course, whenever you ask that question, what's fair, you're going to get a lot of different opinions. Well, and also it really is one of the things that we have in our favor as real estate investors is we can pick up and decide to go wherever we want to go, right? I always say, live wherever you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Part of what impacts the numbers is the politics and the government. And it's not just the, the president and the senators and the congressmen and women. It's bigger than that. It's the local government who decides to step in and say, we're going to have rent control. And you can't raise your rent unless a person moves out. And as long as they're in your, your unit, you have to keep the rent the same, even though your taxes might go up and your utilities might, all that might go up. But here, the rule is you can't raise your, ta well, okay, now that affects me. So I can decide, well, I'm not going to take my discretionary investment dollars and invest in an area like that. Instead, I'll go to an area where that isn't the case. So we've got a lot of say as real estate investors. But but today, we want to really 
get you to be thinking about how important is that as part of your personal investment philosophy. It's one of the many things we have to think about is because some of it is great and some of it's not, right? Like, let's take the, the extreme example. Imagine that there's just absolutely nothing the government can say or do that's going to affect us as real estate investors. If we get to that situation and now your neighbor can do whatever they want with their property. Oh, right, 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 right. right. They, can paint it, they can paint it purple. They can have 16 horses they in the backyard. They can breed pythons. Whatever <laughs> they want to do. Whatever they want to do. Absolutely. So that one extreme. The other extreme is they control every little bit of your investment. So probably somewhere in the middle makes sense, but we all have to decide what we're willing to live with for the investments that we make. Yeah, so I call it the three bears of government, right? You know, Goldilocks and the three bears, and you've got kind of too much, too little, and just right. And again, and it's going to be a matter of opinion. And how do you figure out what that opinion is? I call it healthy tension. You're going to have debate. You're going to have disagreement. You're going to have a lot of emotion. And one of the things I've had to learn to do uh, as an investor, as a business person, is to listen to the opinions of people who I don't agree with. Because if they happen to be in the majority, if they happen to be leading the charge, if they happen to have a lot of influence, even if I don't agree with them, they're going to give me an indication of what's coming. Like, for example, San Jose, California, the city council got together, and this has nothing to do with real estate, but it just gives you an example. They get together and decide that every store in the city of San Jose can't give you a bag when you check out because they're trying to cut down on the amount of bags that go into landfill. And so now you have to make sure when you go to the grocery store or the auto parts store, the hardware store in San Jose, you got to come in with your own bag. Now you think, well, that's crazy. There are people who will not shop in San Jose if they're close to being able to go to an adjacent town. They'll go shop someplace else just because of that one thing. Of course they will. And you think, well, that's crazy. But do you think that that has an impact then on the merchants that are in San Jose? If I own a retail center. Right. I mean, everything kind of has effects. And so sometimes, you know, I like to watch TV. I like to listen to what people are saying. One time I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm watching a show and my kid comes in. He says, Dad, what are you watching that for? You don't even agree with that guy. I go, that's why I'm watching it. Right. Because I, I, I don't agree with him. He goes, how can you even stand to listen to that? And I said, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> but I do it because I'm trying to get inside the mind of the people who are controlling the levers, whether it's the bankers, whether it's the tax man, whether it's the zoning people, you know, a local level, municipal level. Are they, are they big into debt? Are they going to go issue a bunch of bonds in my community and raise my property taxes to cover those bonds? Are they going to cut city services because they can't make their payroll? Those things are going to affect the viability of the communities that I've invested in. So it's all important. Well, it's an interesting point. You know, you listen to our show for any length of time, you know that we've had discussions amongst ourselves and with lots of guests and, and with headlines about the Federal Reserve. And you can have your opinion about the Federal Reserve. And Ron Paul says, in the Fed, okay, so his group of people think we should not have any Federal Reserve. Then we talked to, you know, we had a, a gentleman from the Federal Reserve on our show. So he's going to have a different opinion about it, right? But, but here's the thing. I don't think anything that we're going to say on our show or anything that you listening are going to come up with is going to change whether or not there is a Federal Reserve in the United States or Central Bank in any other country and what happens. But if we can figure out the Federal Reserve or the Central Bank, where they're going, what the decisions they're making and why, then we become investors that can invest right along aside their agenda whether we personally agree with it or not, and we can do really well because we're open-minded. Yeah, we've seen people make money in rent control areas, but how you manage your property is different 
than when you can raise the rent. If you can raise the rent, then you make investments into the property where you think you're going to get a good return on the investment. Hey, if I put this in, I put that in, I can raise the rent. If I can't do that, I'm not putting those things in. So you have to understand the type of demographic the property is going to attract when you can't add those things. You have to understand the direction the neighborhood will take based on other owners not making capital investments. Again, people make money in those neighborhoods all the time. And some rent control is more hard to navigate than others, you know. So again, it's not really the point of whether you can make money or can't make money. It's just understanding what the rules are, where you're at, and what the trends are, how things may change going forward. And it's up to each and every real estate investor, no matter where you are, to get that figured out. I don't know if we're going to help that today or we're going to you know, impede that today or what, but we've got a couple of opinionated guests who uh, we had a chance to uh, interview. And speaking of debates, the event that we were at in Las Vegas where we interviewed both these gentlemen called Freedom Fest is a, an event where they have lots of these debates where two opposing sides take the stage and they argue in a very structured and very respectful way, but they have very different opinions. And so our mind was really in that place when we were there. And our first guest is returning to the Real Estate Guys for the second time. Uh, he was a candidate for the nomination of the Republican Party for the President of the United States. So that might tell you a little bit about uh, his background. Uh, he is also uh, the editor-in-chief of the business magazine Forbes, as well as President and Chief Executive Officer of Forbes Incorporated. When we come back, you'll meet Steve Forbes today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. You already know that Dallas-Fort Worth is one of the strongest real estate markets in the country. Now all you need is a great source for turnkey properties. Great news! Wilson Investment Properties has been providing fully renovated, rented, positive cash flow properties to real estate investors for over 10 years. Founder Tom Wilson is an avid investor himself. With over 200 units of his own, you know he understands what investors need. Contact Tom and his team at 888-510-6838, extension 123, or send an email to wilson at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Darren Hardy, publisher of Success Magazine, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this great radio station, all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're in Las Vegas, Nevada at Freedom Fest, an amazing gathering of free minds. And it's my pleasure to introduce you to a gentleman who is making a return to our show, Mr. Steve Forbes. How are you? Good to be with you again. Thank you. Absolutely. So a lot's changed in a couple of years and not all for the better. What's going on? Well, the good news is that people are getting more active, especially after that horrific Supreme Court decision. Bad news is uh, Washington and the world is becoming more and more statist, trying to take away our freedoms. And that's why we've got to fight this election and fight it hard. Boy, it's an interesting time to be around. You know, you look at uh, how much people have been involved in the last couple of years, and I, I, I get the sense that Americans are more interested in learning the facts than maybe ever before. Do you feel that? Uh, yes, and you started to see it uh, two years ago. Tea Party people actually would sit down and read bills, which they never do in Washington, and, uh, and uh, becoming informed about what's happening. And that's why you saw the results in the primaries in the general election. 
Uh, people, I think, are still riled up. You don't have the emotional quotient that you had, but the determination is higher than ever. Now, you've got a brand-new book coming out. I want to talk about this for sure. When we had you on the show last time, you had just come out with uh, How Capitalism Will Save Us, an, an incredible book. And, and you and Elizabeth Ames have written a new book called Freedom Manifesto, Why Free Markets Are Moral and Big Government Isn't. Let's talk about that. Well, one reason why big government lasts is even though it's inefficient and does bad things, it always gets a, a buy in the sense people say, well, their intentions are good. They're trying to uh, do away with the harsh stuff in the marketplace, help the small guy, right. uh, take care of the sick, uh, take care of those who can't take care of themselves. While, while the free markets are seen as predatory, yeah, they give us a higher standard of living, but they're not quite moral. Uh, they crush people if they can. There are no rules. They're always out to euchre you and all that kind of thing. What this book does is takes the opposite tack. Free markets are moral. Free markets enhance trust, humanity, breaking down barriers, encourages creativity, innovation, uh, enabling people to get ahead, the poor to rise up. Whereas government is selfish, government is short-sighted, government is greedy, government is out for its own interests and not the broader interests, but they just use different language. And, of course, that's not the intention of government, right? A big group here, of course, very interested in what the Constitution has to say about that. But government wasn't designed to be the overarching savior of the world. That, that wasn't the plan. How did it get so off course? Well, I think it really was uh, one of the ideas that uh, emanated out of the progressive movement which uh, thought that you could bring science to government. You can to a certain point, but just to a very small certain point. And then the Great Depression opened the floodgates. Free markets were seen as inherently unstable. Government had to come to the rescue of the line went. Now, people forget, one, government caused the Depression, huge government errors, and they forget, two, we didn't get a recovery in the 1930s. It was only after World War II we finally pulled out of this thing. Uh, but government has been in the saddle since. They've, uh, they're occupying the high moral ground, and that's what this book intends to do. They don't deserve to be up there. They're everything they say greedy capitalists are, government is. You know, it just makes sense that for a business of any kind to survive, it's got to be treating its customers well, providing products and services that are competitive. The free market allows that to happen. Businesses only survive through customers. And so there's this short-sightedness of, no, the, the evil empire of the, of the business is out to trot on people. That, that's, that's exactly the opposite of what capitalism is. It is. And uh, you succeed in free markets only by meeting the needs and wants of other people. And uh, with government, it's true of all human organizations. It always expands and forgets what it was created for. There was a historian who did a history of uh, the British Navy and discovered that after World War I, which the Brits won, Navy is sharply reduced in size, fewer, fewer sailors, fewer everybody, yet the bureaucracy running the Navy expanded. The fellow's name was Northcote Parkinson, and that's true of every organization. Now, the virtue of free markets is if you fall in that trap of expanding your bureaucracy and uh, just doing make work, you fail. You disappear unless the government comes and bails you out. So in that sense, free markets are more accountable than just about any other human endeavor. Now, let's talk about the fact that the government, our government in the United States, has actually taken over what used to be 
uh, you know, private companies, obviously Fannie and Freddie and, and AIG and, and some of those stories. How does that play into what we're talking about? Well, this is, again, government expanding. Always, What people sometimes forget is when tyrants come along, they don't have uh, villainous faces and saying, we're here to crush you, here to uh, make your lives miserable. It's always, we're here to help you. We're here to solve a problem. We are your friend. And uh, that's how they do it. So uh, on uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they just ran out the private sector in terms of a large part of the mortgage market and wrecked housing in the name of saving it. FHA, Federal Housing Administration, another disaster looming. They took over AIG. Uh, They probably didn't have to do it, but they did because they could. And on uh, TARP, when the banks, uh, some of the banks wanted to pay back the money, the initial reaction of the Obama administration, no, you don't have permission to pay it back. You must pass our stress test. Well, politically, it became untenable that if somebody wants to pay you back, can't pay you back. Uh, that just didn't sit well with the public. But they're moving in other avenues in terms of regulation, putting you firmly under their thumb. When there's times of economic turmoil, it is often the entrepreneur, the business owner that leads the way out. Are you starting to see some glimmers of that? Well, there's a lot of entrepreneurial energy in this country. We did a cover story at Forbes several months ago of kids running businesses in college between $100,000 and $500,000 of income. They're not just selling hot dogs to their dorm mates. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing real things. Right. So we had a roundtable with them and Michael Dell, who also dropped out of college to, to go into business. And he did pretty well. Yeah, he did fine. But uh, so that energy is there. But what you need for it to thrive and grow is a benign environment. Remember, in the 70s, we got a lot of new businesses started, things like Apple, Microsoft, Oracle, Amgen, uh, Southwest Airlines, FedEx, Charles Schwab, numerous companies. Started small but had an environment where they could flourish and become big companies. That's what you have to have. It's not just an environment where new businesses can start, but where some can become big businesses. And the more regulations and the more strains and restraints there are on businesses, at some point, business owners decide to go elsewhere, don't they? Well, uh, you have what they used to call in the 30s, uh, capital goes on strike. And uh, it's been observed. Capital goes, and by capital it's not just money but brains, people. Capital goes where it is welcome and stays where it is well-treated. And governments forget that all the time. You would think with such an emphasis on jobs today, creating jobs, we need more jobs and unemployment is high, that it would make sense to create an environment where business could thrive. And there's been some some interesting areas, like, for instance, SEC regulations regarding private placements have actually eased up in, in this year, where before there were limits like you couldn't advertise for a private placement, and now they're saying, well, maybe that's okay to do. And that's being presented as, well, here we're, we're, we're trying to put less strain on, on business, but those, are, those examples are few and far between. Uh, yes. Uh, for each one of those, you get uh, 10 that are going right in the opposite direction. So, yes, the government takes your dollar, gives you back a dime, and you're supposed to be saying, my goodness, they are really uh, doing good for us. Let's talk about the work that you do at uh, Forbes, because you do a great job of bringing us lots of great information and stories, not only through traditional Thank media, you. but with the, the website and that. And uh, how, how do you decide and your team decide what people need to hear and, and what stories get uh, run and all that? Well, we uh, take a two, uh, two, two different approaches. On the magazine side, we have editors and uh, taking uh, input and people's ideas. But we also have a very vigorous website, Forbes.com. We have a contract with uh, almost a 1,000 contributors. 
uh, who submit directly, so this isn't refined copy. This is a direct. You have dialogues with these people. So about 98% of the content at Forbes.com is uh, non-magazine material. So we're creating these communities, creating these interactions, creating these dialogues in numerous areas, and that's what people want. You know, in the old days, you printed an article. You got a letter to the editor. You might print the letter to the editor. You might get a response to the letter to the editor. It takes weeks. Now it's done in seconds. Well, it used to be that if you couldn't get your message on the three television networks, you were doomed. Today, of course, just the proliferation of what's available on the Internet, how much, just your, your example's a great one, that not just being constrained by a few pages, you now have really unlimited ability to bring information, and the way people are learning and accessing information is changing. That has to be somewhat optimistic. It is, and it's breaking the monopoly of uh, the big three, which was an oligarchy. And uh, but uh, the the mainstream media, I mean, the TV stations took their cues from the printed media. That meant it was legitimate. The New York Times did a story. Okay, that was safe. No one's going to get mad at you for uh, doing the story on the evening news. Uh, but now, uh, more and more, you see it uh, in terms of audience. Uh, the networks don't have the audience they once did. Why watch live TV? The only time you do it is for a sporting event or maybe an election. But uh, a lot of the other stuff you can watch at your own convenience, and people are creating content. Now, most of it is not uh, stuff you want to watch, but people are creating it. And that's, uh, that ferment is amazing. YouTube, whoever would have thought, oh, go to YouTube, put it on YouTube. Today we were talking about uh, folks who don't go, they don't turn the television on, they go to YouTube. And, and, of course, you know, I have young kids, what do they do? They don't think in terms of something being on at a certain time. It's when they want to watch it, it's, it's right there. And I think that's giving people more of the tools. And, and really, that's a way that we are seeing a little bit of freedom back into, uh, into the country and the world. And that's why uh, you're getting the political movement in this country. People can easily communicate now. Uh, people are learning, and it uh, gets out there very quickly. Well, that's uh, good news. Uh, once you uh, break that monopoly of information, then uh, good things can happen. All right. What do, well, let's talk a little bit about real estate. That's, of course, our listeners are interested in that. We love to focus on the uh, bigger economic picture and, and think about that. But real estate market's been hit pretty tough. I know you have opinions about Freddie and Fannie and monetary policy. But uh, from where you sit and, and uh, from what your editors are bringing to you, what, what do you see uh, you know, in, in the real estate arena? Well, hopefully what we get back to, uh, uh, taking real estate, let's start with homes, even though it's not commercial real estate. Yep. Uh, that market hasn't recovered yet. It's showing signs of it because the government's been involved. If the government let the markets clear, uh, people who couldn't afford it can get out from under through a quick sale or whatever, but get, get the thing behind you. Uh, buyers, potential buyers, think, well, this thing is bottom. Let's go in. And the market would have been uh, recovered by now. Remember, in terms of home ownership, we need about one and a half million new uh, houses or units, as they call them, a year. Yeah. Why? Because of wear and tear and growing population. So if you have any kind of half-decent environment, uh, that's pretty good. Housing starts of, uh, in, the, in, in that level. Yeah. And uh, on the commercial side, again, uh, once the economy is allowed to grow again, uh, the needs for uh, commercial real estate are going to uh, the dynamics change. And uh, you do get local markets and conditions, which is why it's a business that people can get into and uh, not worry what's happening in North Carolina because your market has got a different dynamic. Mr. Forbes, what can people do? We, we're here at, at an interesting time in our world's history. What suggestions might you have for a, a person to be able to make some sort of a difference in where we are? Well, thanks to technology, you can weigh in anytime you want. You can bring friends together anytime you want. And uh, that's what the Tea Party, Tea Party is singular, but Tea Parties, 
tens of thousands of them. There's no one Tea Party Central, no Tea Party Politburo uh, giving instructions. Right. So uh, you get some differences, too. Uh, everyone's not the same. Well, then, to your point about we may not appreciate all that content that's created or want to watch it, I think the very fact that that freedom exists is something we can all agree is a good thing. Unless you're in the government. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. The good new fun. book is a Freedom Manifesto. It doesn't come out until August, but make sure you get a copy of it. Why free markets are moral and big government isn't. As always, great to have Mr. Steve Forbes on the program. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Why is it that in every horror movie, there's a pretty girl who goes into a creepy house and heads down into the scary basement? Nothing good ever happens in the basement. What is she thinking? I feel the same way when I continue to see Americans dump billions into 401ks, IRAs, and mutual funds, even self-directed IRAs. On top of that, they continue to perpetuate the massive U.S. banking system by keeping large deposits at banks and using credit cards and other loans for purchases. Don't they realize what's going to happen? More profit for them and less profit for you. Nothing good ever happens in the basement. Now there's another way. Visit our friends at Paradigm Life by going to www.beerbank.com and learn how to become your own banker today. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Come meet Terry Kerr when the Real Estate Guys come to Memphis for an investor field trip September 28th to 30th. Get all the details at realestateguysradio.com and click on Events. Hi, this is Lawrence Yuan, Chief Economist with National Association of Realtors, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloaded podcast on real estate investing. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Always interesting to hear from uh, Mr. Steve Forbes. It is definitely always interesting to hear from Steve Forbes. You know, one thing he said that I thought really uh, jumped out at me was he, he talked about capital goes where it's welcome and well-treated. Yeah. And it made me think about what's really been going on. You know, we've watched all, all the devastation station. And we've been talking a lot about why it's happened. And you could make the argument that the government was too involved. You could make the argument some people are making the government wasn't involved enough. Doesn't really matter, you know, because at the end of the day, what happened happened. And what happened was a bunch of capital ended up in the wrong place and it woke up and it needed to move. Yep. So when it started moving, it started moving out of real estate or really out of mortgage-backed securities. And it brought prices crashing down. What happened, though, is that created a ton of opportunity because now you've got tons of houses available to be purchased at affordable prices. You've got people who are displaced, who need a place to live, and that property needs to be repurposed. It needs to be put back into use. And capital has been flowing to these depressed areas 
and they're being revitalized. You know, we go like we're going to Memphis in, in a little bit here. When we go to Memphis, we're going to go into parts of the town where houses have been lost through foreclosure. They're dilapidated because before they went into foreclosure, they went into disrepair. They were blight on the neighborhood. It was just bad. Now, an entrepreneur like Terry Kerr goes in, buys the property cheap, fixes it up, makes a handsome profit and hands somebody, a real estate investor, a great deal on a property that cash flows. It helps everybody. It helped the uh, neighborhood. It helped the buyer. It helped Terry. It helped the tax base. It helps everybody when that happens. We call it Healing America One Home at a Time. And uh, you're right. It, it absolutely does. Now, you know, you have to get through uh, when you listen to anybody, kind of what the opinion they're coming from. And a guy that was a Republican candidate for president is going to have one way of, of looking at things. And, and maybe another candidate would have an, another uh, opinion. We just had a, an opportunity to have Mr. Forbes in the seat, and we're always going to say yes when that happens. So, and a very approachable guy too. We got to spend a lot of time with him off the mic, and and always good to get around people that are vibrant and thinking and out there with their opinions. Whether again, whether you uh, agree or, or not, I think a lot of what he says comes from where he sits. He's got a perspective at Forbes, looking at a lot of information, a lot more information than most of us do. And he's got, as he mentioned, teams of reporters and editors who are sifting through information to try to get to it. It's kind of like your job at Clues in the News. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine what that must be like? You're sitting there one day, you wake up and you go, hmm, I'm kind of curious about this. And you can send an army of world-class journalists out to do the research for you and report back to you. I mean, that's fabulous. Plus the people he's connected to. This is a guy that goes on a lot of shows. He debates a lot of people. I've seen him in a lot of confrontational type of situations with people who have opposing viewpoints because, you know, that's what TV wants. You want to get people with two different viewpoints and they go at each other and then you as the viewer get to decide who, who makes sense. And uh, so a guy like that learns not only how to think, but he learns how to see things from the other side. And then he learns how to articulate his position. It doesn't make him right, but it does make him concise in being able to tell you what he has to say. And again, I just think you're well served to listen to as many uh, opinions as you can get. So always fun when Mr. Forbes comes on the show. Well, we've got another opinion to listen to uh, in just a minute. But first, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you a question that has something to do with government controlling your real estate. And if you're the first person with the right answer, you're going to win an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. You also have a chance to win if you're not the first person, but if you're the person who has the right answer at the right time, here's what we do. The first person with the right answer wins a book, and that's usually a radio listener. Then we take all the correct guesses for the week, have a drawing for another copy of the book. So if you're listening on the podcast, like most people do, you still have a chance to win as long as you get your entry in before next week's show. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, we talked about the differences between what you read in the headlines and what might really be true. And we asked this, two U.S. states tie for most neighborly by bordering with eight other states. One was the state we were talking about, Tennessee. What's the other one? The answer the state of Missouri. Both Tennessee and Missouri have eight neighboring states. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Did you know there are nearly 40 countries in the world with some sort of rent control? Obviously, some parts of the United States have rent control. Here's what I want to know. Which U.S. state has had the longest history of rent control? That's a hard one. I know, but but it's worth a, a great prize. So uh, dig deep or research which U.S. state has had the longest history of rent control. If you know or just want to guess, send us your answer along with your mailing address so that if you're the winner, we can send you your book to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Which U.S. state has had the longest history of rent control? 
If you know or want to take a guess, just send it to us to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking today about uh, really the three bears and, and Goldilocks. <laughs> and is it too much? Is it just enough? Is, is, it, is it not enough? What's the situation when it comes to government's involvement with our real estate? And, and really, neither of our guests today are necessarily real estate guys. They just have opinions. Our next guest is a very interesting gentleman. Tom Woods is a senior fellow in history at the Mises Institute. He has a bachelor's degree in history from Harvard and also a master's from Columbia University. He's got several books that are New York Times bestsellers and a really interesting guy. Also, occasionally uh, guest hosts the Peter Schiff radio show. So excited to have uh, Tom Woods on the program. When we come back, you'll hear about what Tom is working on. You'll learn a little bit about the Ludwig von Mises Institute right here on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Hi, I'm Mark Victor Hans. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. If you want to expand your consciousness, expand your wealth, expand your future, and have more delight and excitement in your future than in your past, keep listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Heard every weekend on this fine radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. And right now I want to introduce you to a senior fellow at the Ludwig von Mises Institute, Mr. Tom Woods. How are you, Tom? Doing well. Glad to be here. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for taking time to talk with us today. Tell us kind of what uh, you're spending your time doing these days. Well, these days we're actually working on a documentary about uh, the financial crisis and the housing crash that will answer some of the left-wing ones that sort of view the crisis as having been caused by wicked malefactors who suddenly became greedy spontaneously for no apparent reason. I don't know why they didn't become greedy 10 years earlier and <laughs> greed consumed the system and our government was just an innocent bystander and all this just happened happened without much having to do with them. But we point the finger at people like uh, Alan Greenspan, people who were completely clueless for years during the housing bubble, telling people that that uh, there's nothing wrong with the market, that uh, lending standards were perfectly robust. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe you just hate America, that sort of nonsense. Well, now suddenly some of these people are being vindicated. And what we're doing in this movie, it's called The Bubble, thebubblefilm.com, is we're actually talking to the people who called this before it happened. And maybe they might have something to tell us about what's going to happen in the future. Why would I want to listen to people who were wrong about everything tell me about the future? Boy, that is such a salient point. You know, there's not that many folks that really saw it coming. I know uh, one of our friends who uh, called the uh, crash for the right reason, Mr. Peter Schiff. You uh, occasionally fill in on, uh, on Peter's radio show. And Peter's popularity is just grow growing by leaps and bounds. He's got this daily uh, show, Monday through Friday, SchiffRadio.com. And, uh, yeah, it's wonderful to, to guest host his show because on his show you, call, you, you say to people, Hey everybody, call in. Let's let's hear your calls and join the conversation. And people actually do it. You, know, you actually get some calls. Yeah. Like, people are listening into that show. It's great. No, it's good stuff. So what's the what's the big hurdle in, in getting the word out about what the truth is? I mean, so many people just didn't have, didn't care to have their head in the sand. But it seems to me there's a more interested, aware group today than maybe there has been in the past. I think the main obstacle is that you're running up against the conventional wisdom. And most people are uncomfortable being outside the conventional wisdom. Or most people don't even think there's a challenge to the conventional wisdom. The conventional wisdom is the truth. And we're basically giving a narrative that runs counter to what you, you would get in school, what you would hear on CNBC uh, most of the time. And that's scary for people or they're not prepared for it. But given that right now I think people are concerned and they feel like the experts so-called don't know what they're talking about, there is more of a willingness to listen to people from quarters that people might not have listened to before. They're more willing to listen to unorthodox approaches. Even though we consider the what we're saying to be perfectly sound and sensible, 
unfortunately in these days it's considered to be unorthodox but also the internet makes it possible to get around the gatekeepers of approved opinion we can get views that wouldn't have been able to get on the three television networks 30 years ago out to the public and now they want to know more how did you guys know what was going to happen i mean did you have a crystal ball like what knowledge did you have and so that brings up the whole ludwig von mises austrian school of economics so it's it's great it's wonderful to see people like paul krugman or ben bernanke who are used to just having people bow down before them. Now people are asking questions. Bernanke's got to go around having press conferences. He's got to do interviews on 60 Minutes to do damage control. These royalists are not used to being challenged. And so to me, it's it's just an end in itself to put them on the defensive for a change. You know, in Ron Paul's book, he talked about the fact that in the early days, of course, uh, Mr. Uh, Bernanke had a had a different feeling and, and maybe a, di- a different schooling. And, and what do you think the change that happened? How does someone go from understanding Austrian economics to get lured into the Keynesian side of things? Well, I think actually it's Greenspan who, or in, right. his, in his early years, was sympathetic to the Austrian school. He wrote essays in the 1960s about the gold standard, and there's hardly any word you could improve upon in in those essays. And then he claimed that he never really changed his mind. I don't know how that's possible, given that he was running a monetary central planning institution that that, uh, issues fiat money. Uh, I don't know where where he comes up with that. Uh, He tried to claim that circumstances had changed, or that was then, this is now. He never really had a satisfactory answer. There were always some people who thought that, well, he's secretly burrowing his way into the system, and then eventually, once he's in there, he's going to expose everything and turn things around. But you know what? It just tends not to happen that way. People uh, get absorbed into the system. They like the power that comes with it. They like the prestige that comes with it. I mean, how could you, how could almost any human being withstand the kind of accolades and admiration that Greenspan was getting where he would have, I mean, I'm not kidding, he would say, I, you know, I've, I had this funny feeling in my gut today, so I decided that uh, interest rates should be dropped by 25 basis points. People would say, oh, wow, okay, Alan had a funny feeling today. So, I, I mean, this is insane, and yet this went on. This one, in fact, the New Republic magazine they had this scandal years ago because one of their authors would write articles about things that never actually happened. He would invent these incredible stories, and other journalists would be envious of him. Well, he invented the stories. But one of the stories he invented, this guy Stephen Glass, was that investors on Wall Street had built a little shrine to Alan Greenspan with his picture in the middle and flowers and candles, and they'd get together and meditate there. Now, that was a made-up story, but what was interesting was nobody noticed that was a made-up story. That seemed like something people might plausibly do. Well, here we are in an election year. And that's always interesting because we've got people who are maybe running into issues that they haven't thought about before. There's certainly been, to my way of thinking, a lot more discussion this time around. What do you see in terms of the uh, likelihood of people waking up and, and understanding this? Obviously, the work you guys do is going gonna, is gonna to help that. But how big of a, of a challenge is it? Well, it, uh, it's a huge challenge because the, the two major candidates are, are both pretty bad on on issues like this, on the economy, on what causes business cycles, why does the economy move in an up and down pattern all the time. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't have, they don't know any, uh, about any of this. And then even Romney, who's supposed to be, heaven help us, the free market guy, this is a guy who said when he was asked, what do you feel about uh, Ron Paul's plan to cut a trillion dollars out of the budget? And he said, well, you know, big budget cuts like that cause depressions. Well, look, I could get that economics from Hillary Clinton. You know, I could, I could get that from MSNBC. And this is the Republican nominee that we're stuck with. It is, uh, it's very, very demoralizing. So if you're expecting that anything's actually going to change under Romney, 
uh, all I can say is you must be under 18 years old because we've all been, the rest of us have been around long enough to know what it means when you have a Dole, a McCain, a Bush, a Nixon, or whatever as a nominee. You know what's going to happen, namely nothing, or things will get a lot worse. I mean, it actually, some of these people make the Democrats look okay. At least the Democrats sometimes have actually shown some spending restraint. I wish I could say that about the Republicans. Hey, Tom, let's talk about the uh, work of the Mises Institute. Uh, obviously, a lot of great resources on the website and uh, some, some really uh, uh, great tools that people uh, can use. Tell us about, uh, in addition to the movie, what, uh, what folks can find if they uh, if they searched uh, out the Mises Institute. Yeah, the Mises Institute is named after Ludwig von Mises, the great economist. Mises, M-I-S-E-S, the site M-I-S-E-S.org. There are so many resources there. You could pretty much have no social life whatsoever the rest of your life and just do <laughs> nothing but consume resources. It's unbelievable what's available for free yeah. over there. But the idea of the site is to promote the particular school of free market thought that Mises belonged to, the so-called Austrian School of Economics, which is enjoying a tremendous resurgence of interest. It's the oldest existing uh, school of economic thought, but right now it hasn't been fashionable for many years because it says the opposite of what governments want to hear. But so it's, it's Mises and his theory of why we have these economic cycles. And no, it's not because the free market, as Karl Marx said, is just naturally prone to going up and down. There's nothing you can do about it. No, that's the, that's what Marx said. That's not what, as a free market person, that's not what you should believe. And that's and it was it was uh, Mises who said, it's when the central bank gets involved and starts put, fiddling with interest rates, and this creates a lot of confusion and errors, and you wind up getting uh, a bust every time. So, over at Mises, you can, well, you can put on your iPod all kinds of things where you can learn this stuff in your car. You can become. You can understand how the world works, not to mention you can become a really good debater. But we've got all kinds of resources to help you just get a basic grasp on all this jargon. It's, I mean, I think sometimes people get demoralized. They feel like, oh, I'm, I'm never really going to understand this stuff. It's just so complicated. I hear the Federal Reserve chairman using language that you know sounds like from, from another planet. How could I ever master this? I think that's the way they want you to think, so that you'll say to yourself, the experts are in charge. You know, I, just an uppity layman, have no right to an opinion. No, you shouldn't believe that way. We, we, we can't afford to think that way. There's a lot of talk uh, about uh, ending the Fed, changing the Federal Reserve. Obviously, it's a huge topic. What do you think the, the likelihood of, of anything changing in terms of the Fed is? I don't think the Fed is, is going to go anywhere anytime soon, and I, I, I don't say that hopefully. That's, that's just a, a forecast. But at the same time, Jim Rogers, who's, of course, a great investor, said a couple of years ago that he expected within 10 years that the Fed would be gone. So, you know, I mean, I, I can't discount somebody like Jim Rogers, but I will say that for the first time in its history, I mean, for the first time in nearly 100 years, there was an organized, small but organized, intelligent, articulate, and very passionate group of, of opponents of the Fed. I mean, you have people chanting, end the Fed. You have people reading huge books about the Federal Reserve. You have people who are fascinated by this subject. This had not been true before. And the Fed had tried, frankly, to keep itself pretty boring and out of sight so that no one would really get interested in it. And if you were interested in it, that probably meant you were some kind of crank and maybe you need some kind of psychological evaluation. Well, that 
that's just not true. There's just no way that that's going to stick anymore because now you've got major, major people out there, not just Peter Schiff or Jim Rogers, but Jim Grant. I mean, Jim Grant, of, I, I don't know how much he gets for Grant's interest rate observer. It's like $900 a year or something. Right. I mean, people are dying to know what this guy thinks. You've got a lot of opponents of the Federal Reserve out there, and that's, that toothpaste is not going back into the tube. So the criticism is going to keep mounting. People are going to keep learning about this thing, and that's all to the good. Now, there are countries that don't have central banks that have monetary authorities or, or currency boards or, or different types of tools. Can you kind of help us understand the difference between those? Well, for a currency board, I think you'd actually have to have an expert on that. I mean, I, I'm more of a U.S. historian than an economist. But I would say that ultimately I, I would want to replace uh, the Fed with something different from any of those things. I, I, wouldn't, I would want neither a currency board nor a central bank. I would rather just simply have a, a free market in banking the same way we have it in hats, shellfish, pencils, any of these things. There's no reason that there needs to be a giant cartel structure uh, it, with uh, monopoly privileges granted by the central government. Uh, I, well, of course, there is a reason. The reason is it benefits the central government. Now, there's always been a symbiotic relation between central banks and governments. I mean, g governments like having an institution that will buy up their debt and keep interest rates low so that people won't notice how much they're borrowing. And conversely, the central bank likes to be protected with the various privileges it gets, a monopoly on, on creating the money and the government more or less supervising the, the authority that it exercises over the member banks to, to coordinate inflation among all of them. It, everybody benefits at the top of the ladder. It's you and me who suffer from this relationship. All right, Tom, well, we sure appreciate your time today. And, of course, you can hear more from Tom when he occasionally fills in for Peter Schiff at SchiffRadio.com. And uh, keep up the good work. Okay, thanks a lot. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Elms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. If you're like me and thousands of others, you know that the Real Estate Guys radio show is a great source for quality content about investing in real estate. But did you know that they also have a book? I just finished reading their book, Equity Happens, and I was blown away by how much I learned. If you're ready to create sustainable wealth through real estate, you need to get Equity Happens. You'll learn, just as I did, about what it takes to prosper in the real estate industry. So don't wait. Make equity happen to you. Order your copy today at equityhappens.com. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Hi, I'm G. Edward Griffin, author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, a second look at the Federal Reserve. And you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. 
And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. We're not sure if we're still broadcasting now or if uh, the government officials have come in and shut us down. But uh, lots of opinionated stuff there. But always interesting uh, to hear from uh, Tom Woods. He certainly says it with vim and vigor. Well, you know, we're getting ready to have Peter Schiff on the summit next year. And so it's uh, interesting to kind of get your mind around the people. I mean, he lets Tom sit in and host his show. Right. So Peter obviously has a lot of respect for Tom. And uh, so I was very interested in hearing what he had to say. Definitely has opinions. He talked about that documentary they're working on called The Bubble. Right. The Bubble. Yeah. Yeah, So I'm very interested in seeing that. I don't know um, if anybody out there has ever seen Inside Job, but that's another show that is really about exposing what happened with the whole meltdown. And it really comes from the perspective, hey, we needed more government involvement. Right. All the Devils Are Here by uh, Bethany McLean, I think is her name. It's in our recommended reading section on the website. Same thing. So there's perspectives on both sides. It goes back to that three bears thing. Too much, too little, or just right. And the thing is, there is no just right. I don't think anybody thinks just right. It's, it's really a tug of war. It really is. It's yeah. a tug of war. And if you've ever played tug of war, it's a little this way. It's a little that way. And as long as everybody's pulling with all their might, it's pretty balanced. You know, I think back... The Clinton administration, you know, the U.S. economy did pretty well under the Clinton administration. Sure. Oh, wait a minute. He's a Democrat. He's a liberal. Hillary tried to put in, you know, health care like Obamacare. Yes. And then we got the 1994 Republican Congress for the first time in 40 years. And we had gridlock. Right. It, it kind of we created tension. Right. R- Ronald Reagan. All the Republicans concerned is, oh, back, we know Reagan, Reaganomics and all that stuff. Right. Because the country did pretty good under Reagan. But remember Jim Baker and and the whole thing with them going back and forth all the time? You had Ronald Reagan constantly at odds with a Democratic Congress. And it created that tension. And there's balance in tension. You know, I talk about like a TV antenna up on the top of a house, right? If, If the three guy wires are all pulling, the thing is vertical, it's solid, the wind can blow hard, and it's going to stay upright. Of course, you know, in the days of cable, I mean, who has a television antenna anymore? But if you're old enough to know what I'm talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but you've got these cables. If one of them lets go and stops pulling with all its might, it gets weak. And so one of the things we have to accept as real estate investors who are trying to pay attention to interest rates and economic trends and are trying to pay attention to business rulings and policies are going to affect us. Like inside the healthcare bill for a little while, they had that 1099 requirement that was going to impact all kinds of real estate investors. You know, government hides legislation. They do things. It doesn't really matter if they're, you know, doing it because they think, hey, this is, you know, it's like when you put sugar on medicine and try to get a kid to take something because you think it's good for them, but you got to kind of sneak it in. Right. Could be because they mean well. It could be because they're sneaking. It doesn't matter. It's how they do things. And that's really the point of all this is that you kind of learn to figure out what the lay of the land is by listening to a lot of different opinions. And so, I mean, I got a lot out of both these guys today. It was very interesting for me. Yeah, absolutely. So keep your mind open, keep learning, and pay attention to how the government influences your real estate investing because they do no matter where you invest. A big thanks to Tom Woods and Steve Forbes for being on the show today. Got lots of great guests coming in the coming weeks and months. Stay tuned to the Real Estate Guys and tell a friend. Until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at BeYourBank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors. From attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. 
Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.